Yay. Yay, we're here. Yay. Hey. <laughs> ah, what's that third voice? <laughs> <laughs> ah, what? This is the thing? Your conscience. Uh, we My conscience is a, a grasshopper. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> My conscience wishes good things for me. Gomer, you're going to have to have to take this over. I'm tired. Oh, Luke, you're always yep. tired. Yep. And you have every right to because your daughter was sick. Aww. How's your daughter doing? Oh, she uh, she's doing better now. Much is she, better now. Is she back she's, in school? Yeah, she's she's in daycare today. It was exhausting yesterday. So, oh, which I'm is, sure. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, listen, it's, it's yes, hard. It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. It's hard. Amanda, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I am. I'm great. Today is the best day of the week. Can I tell you why Thursday is the best day of the week? Yeah. Because my wife, so the lady in charge of our homeschool school, Campion Hall, she just had a baby. So she's on maternity leave. So my wife is the interim director of a school with 100 children. So she has to leave at 730. And then I get the kids up and at them. And and I take them at, at like 840. And now it's like Tom Cruise and risky business. I'm just, you know, I got a, I got a button up shirt, socks and my underwear and I'm running around the house. <laughs> feel free. I feel so free. You'll be jumping on a couch, dating Katie Holmes, ending it, getting a little weird. <laughs> Everyone's going to back <laughs> off for a bit. And then we're all going to kind of just accept that you're not going to going to go anywhere and just let it ride. That's so funny. I, I was in, I was in Rome when the whole like Tomcat thing was going on and they were like riding through the, the Tiber on like, fancy boats and things and they were getting married it was it was pretty wild did you wish them well did you wish them well (laughs) did you run out there and you know wave a red handkerchief it's not like you know it's not like london it's not the same (laughs) no why is that why is that is it because the tiber creates a swamp-like atmosphere in rome and oh man it floods you know it floods floods like this time of year usually that sounds horrible wait should we introduce our guest no this is the show is this no, a show? No, I'm just kidding. Yes, we have a guest here. Our guest is the Ministry of Agency herself, <laughs> which I want to talk about that title. Amanda. Amanda was a Franny with us way back in the day. She didn't age, but me and Luke have aged very poorly. I mm-hmm. uh, just want to point that out. And More so now you. you work. What's the company? So Ministry of Agency. You've done a ton of cool stuff since Franny. Since since our humble time at the mothership. Okay, can I just say I hate. I'm, I'm going to sound like Franny? I, I, I Franny? cannot stand it when people call call it 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 it, it Franny. But I picked it up from you. I know. I never said that. I That's never like a would have said that. Generational thing. Like I know. I, know. I remember it being there and nobody said wall. that. Wow! Wow! I, yeah. I didn't realize I was hurting you so much, Luke. No, I would. Ne- I've never said. It. Now I'm. A, I've been in a dentist chair for two hours and my <laughs> gums are swollen. My teeth are great. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's why I seem a little bit like not cranky, be the wrong word. Mm. Looky, more loop yeah, than normal. Yeah, a little, I, and I also thought we had to record it too, as opposed to take eleven. So I'm like, wait, what? I don't know why I thought that. So, anyways, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I ju- like it. Like it's like nails on a chalkboard for me. I'm like, see, for <gasps> me, nails on the chalkboard. Even though it's the real name, is th- people say the Franciscan University of Steubenville. Oh man, that drives I, me nuts. Well, I remember going there and thinking like. When everybody called it Stuby U and thinking like, yeah, oh, yeah little, I remember. Like, this is yeah. bad marketing. <laughs> yeah. 90s. Yeah. <laughs> we have <laughs> where teachers where every, every time chair the, uh... backwards and talk with you. They're like the cool guy in Boy Meets World. You, you remember him? He adopted Sean. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I totally forgot about the guy that adopted Sean. Yeah, he was a cool guy. And it was because of the backwards chair. <gasps> 
Yeah. Stuby U I hated and uh the fr- so when I worked for admissions we would do night calling and it was me and John and this girl and the girl was like a uber homeschooler never chit-chatted with us very difficult to get along with and every time she calls she turns out huge fan of the show turns out you're <laughs> supporter turns out it's Amanda no <laughs> no but she every time she would leave a voicemail she would go this is the Franciscan University of America or of America of Sumville calling I, I got lost I got lost but yeah, she would always say, this is the, this is the, this is the, and you hear that probably 40 times a night. And so I was like, it's like I a Daft Punk it. song. Yeah. Yeah. Around the world, around the world. <laughs> yeah. It was brutal. So I just always, that for me, that's always stuck in my head. I guess I probably picked up Franny from people who didn't go to Franciscan calling it Franny. And there's a lot of my friends here in the Woodlands who are like Franciscan adjacent. And so they call it Franny's all the time. I feel like it's a Generation X thing. I like, it, I like the Foos. That's something I, I use from time to time. The foos. How are things at the foos? <laughs> we, we call it the mothership on, on our podcast yeah. just because I think it's funny. That's good. But, and yeah. Christ the King Chapel resembles an alien spaceship from the 70s. Or big, well, I won't say. I was going to say, it, it struck me as like kind of like a, a, t- a can, like, a, like mm-hmm. canned good cans. You mm-hmm. know, when I first came there, I was like, this is an interesting kind of slightly brutalist looking structure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for me, Christ the King was like after it rains, it it dries. The water dries in weird ways from the stucco on the outside, and it looks like icing on a cake, like a multi layered cake. And I was like, it does. It looks like a giant round cake. Yep, I, that's it. It never really bothered me. I mean, I didn't think it was like the, the greatest thing in the world, but I, I never was like, oh. There's always emotional attachments to that place. Yeah, I guess that's why I'm like I I I'm fine. Like, cause with their that's like, where Luke had his camp- first kiss. <laughs> with their ca- it's not true. With their capital campaign, their <laughs> I felt the need to defend that. I told you I'm <laughs> I in a know. weird I mood. Know. I'm in a weird mood. Yeah. You were saying the capital campaign. Oh yeah, they're gonna keep like the weird image on the on on the chapel because it's like part of like their branding. And I'm like, that kind of makes sense, even though I'm not like the biggest. Like now, I'm not like you know like my. Sure, there are churches that are better, but at the time while I was there, I was like, that's nah, fine. Who cares? Yeah, they should keep Christ the King. But then they should build a beautiful church. Like the Paul the Sixth Aula? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I hate the Paul the Sixth Center. <laughs> oh, it's so ugly. No, they should build it like something that's like, like that looks like, they, apparently they have master plans. I just read an article on it. But uh, it's something that makes you feel like you're walking in Assisi. Because I think so many of us who went to Austria, like Assisi, mm-hmm. like Santa mm-hmm. Chiara was one of my favorite places um, going there. And uh, gosh, where did I see that? There was a. Maybe it was an Ascension Press. Yeah, it was Ascension Press did this thing called What is Prayer with Dr. Shree. And he filmed it just in a CC walking around. And the cover art is Santa Chiara. And I just remember being like, gosh, I, that, that like brings me back. And, and Ratzinger had it on the cover, the, her crucifix, the crucifix that was in her chapel. Uh, it's more of an icon was on the cover of one of his books. And I just, I just immediately, I always have a soft spot for that. And they were going to build one. And it looks very similar to that. So, anyhow. That's cool. I want both. I feel I like you both. guys talk about Franciscan University and your listeners are probably like, either like, oh, I'm so nostalgic for it. Or they're like, stop, this is a cult. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Incestuous is the term people sometimes send us an email. And to those people, I say, I don't give. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, what you year did you graduate? Cult? Oh, yeah. what's that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What year did you graduate? Oh, five. Oh, five. Boy, oh, are we terrible people. Why? 
because I just track. don't remember you at all. <laughs> I just okay. don't try to remember oh, you at college. I just me. don't. I do. Of course I do. Okay. I, do. You know I feel it's so bad. I, looked, I think it's because I look so different. I ditched like the tie dye and Birkenstocks and the super long hair. <laughs> the, it was. <laughs> It oh, was a vibe. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, listen, we all made it was a strong vibe. At one point in time, vibe. I would run around campus in a in a hoodie and pajama pants. Like I would go on runs. I feel like you I know? have this memory like, of I have this memory. I don't know if it was you, Luke. I think it was. And do you remember Luke. there was like this like flashlight? <laughs> like, the, do you remember there was like a campus wide flashlight tag one night? It was like. Early yeah. on in college, no. Yeah, no, I don't. It must have that. been some other uh, Amdigger in PJ pants and a hoodie. <laughs> like, <laughs> could have been Pat Duffy. Could have been Pat Duffy. Been Pat just Duffy. Say, Luke, Luke's yeah. fashion cues. He will yeah. never admit it, but they were very strong Duffy vibes. We're talking <laughs> vibes here. Yeah, that very much could have been. Yeah, I even did the whole like I like how no, because I like the idea of like I would put I would cut my uh, whatever I would cut my sweatshirt. Uh, Gomer's mad because I'm not talking in. in to the yeah, it's just an audio podcast. It's yeah, fine. People are fine. I would like cut it right here because give it more space, like like Duffy would do. I, I would, yeah, yeah. I um, actually probably have. Um, so I have this, this. This is a horrible confession. So do you remember how like do go on? This yeah. is really <laughs> awful. Um, so when I lived in the Tommy Moore dorm, there was like um a pile of like giveaway clothes, but I think that they were intended actually not just for anybody, but for like the homeless. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. The pile for the homeless ministry. But it wasn't marked for the homeless, so mm. I I didn't really know at the time. I thought it was kind of like, here, give, take, like, here's things people yeah. didn't claim. And I have a Franciscan University hoodie that's, like, super big on me. I still have it, and it has a slit down the front. <laughs> that's wouldn't awesome. that be awesome if that was luke's or duffy's that would be so beautiful like you, you gave it to a girl and she tossed that's it in so there funny yeah. do do any of you actually own any a franciscan equipped like gear like any yeah. that hoodie i still have it i don't have anything it's funny you say that because this morning my son was petting my dog and he goes dad seriously a franciscan university dog collar I was like, weren't you the one that picked it out for the dog? He's like, no. <laughs> I was like, we've had it on there for a year and a half, and you're just now noticing. <laughs> True story. That, uh, yeah. So we went, when I did a talk for the summer conferences, and I took my family up there, not last summer, but the summer before, they, Shannon and my kids, raided the overpriced bookstore, and I'm like, oh, you went through literally a quarter of my stipend from the event they paid. Oh, no. Francis and got it. Yes. I mean, okay, a little bit was my fault. This a little bookshelf right here of these stacked books, these are all <laughs> purchases that I did from Franciscan. And it's, I'm up there, too. So, yeah, I, I spent $400 on books. I have problems. That's like, I don't think that's a bad habit to have, though. No. I mean, if you're going to spend it on something, it might as well be. Like, the amazing theology books maybe not dog collars but theology <laughs> books are good yeah it was a 300 hundred dollar dog collar who knew no i'm just kidding <laughs> all, I'm just all kidding. i want all i want honestly all i want i want to put it like right on this wall here is a gorgeous picture of the cartaza in a gorgeous frame that's yeah, all i want that'd be mm. amazing i would yeah that's a, and i i know I, I have like a bunch of notre dame stuff but no franciscan stuff yeah so well you know it's kind of hard when the most beautiful building on campus is shaped like a cupcake <laughs> the most beautiful Look, building on campus the- is across the ocean <laughs> yeah, this is the most beautiful campus 
I mean, like in in Europe, in this small town, that's the most beautiful part of Francisco. Oh, I don't know the. I'm trying to think here, the new the, new friary. They have a new friary up where the steel cross is. Uh, Cosmos and Damien was in cool colors in two thousand one. <laughs> the whole campus looks like that now, for the most part. They're building a, a like a four or five story building, and yeah, it's all gonna look like look like that stuff. So I, I'm sure our audience is super excited. <laughs> to hear about this what did you do what did you do amanda after like right after college because you already mentioned rome what did you do right after college yeah i, I moved to italy <laughs> <laughs> as one does awesome. what what caused it well what, let, let's first like okay let's first like um set the stage amanda how do you pronounce your last name i want to make sure that, that we get this right it's it's briar but i amanda, like when i okay. when i work in media and when i'm doing work i go by my maiden name and my married name so it's amanda malevsky briar Excellent. Okay, I do remember you. Okay, so oh, you. thanks, Luke. Uh, thanks I know. I'm like, how do I? I know. I'm trying to. It's all. It's all a blur. <laughs> so, like at college, so you, so you're done in two in 2005. Why do you move to Italy? So my background was in communications and TV and radio, and I really always wanted to go into film. Mm-hmm. So there was there was a couple reasons why. So one, I wanted to go into film. I really um, felt passionate about that. It's something that, you know, as a typical college student, you get into like really artsy things sometimes and you have your whims and definitely the reinforcement of like being in philosophy courses too and having been able to go over to Austria and be in that environment, that all reinforced it, I would say. Like I decided that I wanted to go study film and learn how to enter the world of cinematography. That was kind of like where Mm. I was going. And I wanted to be a video Mm -hmm. editor specifically. That's something that I love. I love the order, the function of it, the way that you kind of get a big picture. It's like, just like any other art form, when you're editing something in a timeline, especially with multiple elements, you're talking about like graphics or film or the sound design, multiple channels, and you're just weaving all of this together, right? There's an art and there's a beauty to it. And I felt so drawn to that. I love the idea of being able to paint in a way in that with those little puzzle pieces. I mean, you're essentially Mm -hmm. looking at little pieces in a timeline that look like Tetris. And what you're putting together is something greater and, and representative of something much greater that can have a cohesiveness to it, right? Mm-hmm. So I cared a lot about this. I really wanted to go into it. And I moved to Italy. I went to film school in Florence. And oh, cool. Yeah. So I did like a like a summer intensive program where like I lived there and with the intention of always like trying to find work in Rome afterwards. Because during my time it in Austria, the Austria group always takes a group to Rome for like a 10 day mm-hmm. break. Right. Mm-hmm. So during that 10 day break, I fell in love with Rome. I feel like so many people have this experience, whether you're a Catholic or not. You're like, you go to Rome, you see this like beautiful ancient city full of history. It's beautiful, but it's also dark in certain ways. Like you're going past like the Circo Massimo, like the Circus Maximus. You, um, you know, today it's used for concerts. You know, (laughs) it's crazy. But like people were We've all seen John Wick too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it yet. Um, oh, that's where everyone gets murdered in in Rome. He goes to the mafia guy. And he's like, "Are you here to kill the Pope?" And he's like, "No." And he's like, "Oh, thank God." 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up in Rome and I ended up working for a news bureau just outside of the Vatican walls. I guess technically it was kind of inside of the Vatican. Well, I don't know. The way that hmm. they paint that jurisdiction is very blurry, but yeah, yeah. yeah no I, my office was amazing. I was working with other amazing journalists who covered the Vatican affairs and like news from Rome. So we had somebody from CNN, somebody from TV Azteca, somebody from Telemundo, all of these people who most, I won't say all of them, but most of them um, were Catholic or at least Christian. And they were all kind of on the Rome international beat specifically the Vatican news beat. So we all were working in this this room together and helping each other huh. with stories. So like and then that kind of um what evolved out of that originally was the Rome Reports News Bureau. Um which oh, creates very cool. Yeah. So that's what that's what I was working on. So I would be doing like documentaries and like the world scene from Rome, um like news magazines and editing those. And then I would also be, let's see, um for example, like I would go over to CNN's office and I would be cutting a piece on whatever. I mean, I think they found like some sort of interesting artifact while I was there. I remember cutting a piece for CNN for Anderson Cooper 360 at the time. And, you know, like I'd be there. But it was very intensive because you're working late nights. When you work in news, it's very different than working in mm-hmm. film. It's very different than working yeah. in scripted television or even documentary television. So. That was kind of like my big start in Rome. It's where I learned the language. And um, I met uh, Lucia Gonzalez Barandiaran, who is the CEO of Bosco Films and the producer on the movie Free. So that's kind of like, that's the, the beginning of it. And in between, like, yeah. I have a lot of adventures, but that's kind of like one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys too. And I, I feel like we we were chatting about this and like these friendships kind of over time they bring you to certain places. Like I'm sure you guys have experienced this too. You have friendships, even with each other. Like where would ca- catching foxes be without your friendship and all of your like crazy history. Right. So I feel like probably everybody... at around a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's yeah. the crazy friendship that holds it back. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's so funny. You're saying like, I went to Rome I built up the news desk. That became Rome Reports. And I was like, I Well, I didn't build Rome Reports in any way. You, built, no. you helped build it up. No way, man. I was like lowly Single-handedly, editor. you are the atlas of the universe in Rome. No. But it's just funny. I'm like, what was I doing at the time? Oh, yeah. No, I was playing uh, dodgeball with high school students in the youth ministry. <laughs> like, gonna, There's a place for I'm gonna it, go right? Back. Yeah. There is. There is. Yeah. But that's so awesome. Like, I love... One of the things about Rome that like shocks you, right? So you walk down, uh, what is it called? The Appian Way, where it's all the old, old Rome, right? Like ancient Rome. That's the oldest uh, road in, in Rome. Right. And, and so you're walking down it and you just see like you, I've read about this place. I've heard about this. Like here's the Senate building. Mm-hmm. It's a lot smaller than I thought it'd be, but here it is, you know, and you're walking there and you're looking at this stuff and then you go, you know, half a block down. And you're in, you know, you're essentially like surrounded by Catholicism. And then you turn and you see modern Rome and all of this stuff. It's like, it's 2000 years or, or 2,500 years just there, just right in your lap. And it's still living and moving. And I don't know. I just, and I love the fact that one day I was walking down and there was a light on in one of the buildings. And they're like, I thought these were ruins. Who's that? And I said, I'm pretty sure that's Ave Maria's campus. 
their study abroad because they had the last their building i can't remember what it was called but it was the the last building of all the ruins that actually was still functioning today and so they use it as their study abroad for their grad school students that's awesome that's so cool yeah i think i know exactly which building you're talking about too yeah that's awesome. yeah, so like, I can't remember for the life of me. But yeah. how does that? So when you're in Rome at that age, are most people that you are working with? Because I I feel like I don't know. I don't know a ton about the about the entertainment industry, but I have read a couple of books. <laughs> are a lot of the people that you are like working with at that time? Are they more around like around like your age? Or are they more like is like what's kind of like like who are you hanging? Like how do those like kind of getting, getting to the relationship with with the producer like how do you guys but how do you become friends yeah so i would say it was so interesting when i was there um i have a really good friend who um now works for the archdiocese of new york who started off as an ewtn producer and she ended up like becoming kind of like the official person who translated all of like the papal things into english in live time in television um her name's mary she's amazing um it was such a phenomenal time to be in Rome. And I, I I remember listening to you guys at some point. There was some podcast you guys did, an app where you were talking about like how you can't go back to a specific place and time because the mm-hmm. same people aren't there. And like you have this this desire for nostalgia to go back and return to this like golden yeah. era, but it's just not possible. Like it has mm-hmm. died in a way. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. those things, it's interesting because I feel like Rome's structures remain. And in that way, it's the eternal city. But the people change, right? So yeah. when I was there, I had a wonderful friend and mentor, Mary, who was there, who did so much for me, you know, and really brought me into the fold, um, helped me even land that first job. And just the interesting people that I met. So for example, um, there, I'm trying to think who was there at the same time. So, you know, like Edward Penton, uh, the journalist who writes um, often for the National Catholic Register was there at the time. He still yeah. is as far as I know. Um, but also there was like Javier Martinez Barocal, who was with TV Azteca. There's all these people. And he's like the one who like broke the story on the Pope being in the, the what was it? The, like a CD shop or something like a couple years ago. Now he's, <laughs> I forget what network he is with. He's one of I like mixtapes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. But um, during that time, I, I had a lot of friends in the journalism. Wouldn't it be world. funny if he was buying bootleg CDs? <laughs> yeah. Turns he's out like, I'm not paying early Wu-Tang. He's, like, he's like, where can I get some cassettes? I need to make Papal Awesome Mix Volume 1. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan of the RZA. <laughs> <laughs> not Baby Jesus? Not ODB? Yeah. <laughs> no. The RZA. It's more. Sorry. Anyways, go on. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Uh, long story short, I had I had friends that were older than me, mostly, but I also met a number of people who were young um, journalists and young mm-hmm. uh, producers who were just kind of up and coming and starting out their careers like me. Um, and I have this really good core group of friends that I still remain in contact with. One of them's French, one of them is Slovak, and one of them is Spanish. And that Spanish friend is the friend I mentioned before. Her name's Lucia. And... Mm-hmm. Um, so we became very good friends. The four of us would go out. Our common language was Italian. It still is today. And um, we would like, you know, do all the things that people do when you're young and in Rome or like a college student. Like we'd get together and go out to dinner. We'd go out um, to the outskirts of Rome and go on like we went one time to a go-kart racetrack and it was amazing. 
It was like all these little kids with their parents, and it was like us, like a bunch of twenty-something adults, <laughs> slamming awesome. into kids. Take yeah. that! It was amazing. You know, we went out. It's called the the pista. Fare la pista, like go around, right? So, um, all of these. It sounds so much cooler in Italian. Oh, everything sounds so much cooler in Italian. My favorite word in Italian is baluardo. It means bulwark. It's such a cool word, isn't it? Yeah, that is a cool word. So, that is a cool word. like, when you t- take a look, so you guys are, like, all, like, on my young or out doing, like, you know, f- like, um, fun stuff out, out in Rome. When you take a look at what you're doing right now, are you where you thought you'd be? Because, like, most people, when you're young, you kind of have a dream. Oh, I want to go to this. Oh, I want to go, you know, like. We, when you take a, when you take a look at that group, are they doing what they what they like? I'm gonna set out to do, or are they doing stuff that's even like you know, um, more exciting or more like you know, they wanted to do this, but they found this other thing and it's been like you know, incredible. I think um, for myself, I just never really knew. I mean, I had these ideas and these dreams of becoming, yeah. you know, like working in more secular media, but kind of mm-hmm. always bringing like the Catholic notion of goodness, beauty, and truth into that. And yeah. to some extent, I was able to to do that for a while. Um, but ultimately, like, I just didn't, I didn't know how my life was going to turn out. I didn't know. Yeah. I thought, you know, maybe I'd meet somebody, settle down in Europe and stay in Europe. Like, at a certain point in my life, I was like, oh, this would be amazing, you know, and like, this could be my life. And And there was a point at which I was like, I'm ready to come home. And so I came home. And... It, you know, just life happens. Like I got married. I have beautiful children. Like there's a, there's a lull that happens sometimes in life too when you're putting your attention towards that. So, you know, taking a break from being full time in a position where I was working as a producer and a showrunner, I left at a certain point and was like, okay, sorry, I just bumped my mic. Gomer's like giving me this look, like don't no, do no, it. No, no, no. I was no, I, in my head. I was like showrunner. I wonder what that means, like the detail. Like I was just off. It's essentially like, a producer who makes sure that like everything is where it needs to be. It's it's a producer, but they just nice. I mean they use that for they like, just do everything right. Like they're they're responsible for the entire show. <laughs> no, done, right. I mean, well, not like everything, but like like they're the ones for who the are execution. Like, it's like the the yeah. you know you're standing at the top of a platform and kind of watching and making sure all the the moving pieces of the clock are working, and you are making sure you're hitting every mark that your talent's hitting every mark that. You know, the show rundown notes are prepared. You've prepped the guests. You've done all of these things, right? So that's kind yeah. of what a show rundown. How many does. clipboards did you have to use? I just imagine you have me- like tons of clip when you're flipping through and you're smoking <laughs> a cigarette and you're like, no, it's not working. It's not on time. And you run down. One and you're clipboard like, and a million binders full of stuff. I, I was the binder person. Um, nice. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like I didn't, I didn't know the trajectory of my, of my. Mm-hmm career i had an idea i dabbled in certain things i really worked in film for a while but you know um ultimately now i'm in a place where i've taken a step back and i've i've worked for the past 7 years here and there on projects and i haven't done it like consistently i've only picked up projects where i wanted to and that's a luxury yeah. i know not everybody gets to have but my husband also works in this field and so he's been the one who's been working consistently and you know, carried us through in those years when I was, you know, with the little kids and helping them. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. also, you know, like I like to do, I like to do pro bono stuff sometimes too. So 
was not necessarily an invitation for everybody to eat. <laughs> oh, <all> no, you should have said that. But, like, I do. I, I, I really do. I have um, a good friend from Rome, um, friends actually. They're a couple that was married. And um, their brother is uh, an opera singer in Ukraine. And okay. oh, wow. when the crisis in, in Ukraine erupted, um, they were talking to me. They're like, what can we do? How can we help him and his family? Like, they have to get out of here. They, they've got a family with like beautiful children and they have nowhere to go. They don't know what to do. He's an opera singer. Like, what's he going to do? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and like, not just an opera singer. Like, he's amazing. If you want to look him up, <laughs> he, um, his name's Ihor Shevchuk. And he is an opera singer with the Lviv National Opera. And he's like one of their mm-hmm. star tenors. Um, but he had to leave for a while. So I was like, okay, we're going to make a media plan. Let's like, let's craft, let, let's craft a whole kind of campaign for him. So really that's yeah. more of what I do now. And I choose to do, I focus more on, um, consulting strategy, big picture campaigns for all sorts of things, predominantly film, but also, you know, TV projects, other media projects, books. Like I, I really like the indie niche niche i should say um rather than the big thing my husband works like with much bigger clients than me and we don't work we're not the same company we have our separate entities um but yeah are you guys super competitive yeah no (laughs) not with each other (laughs) oh okay so what what brought you to be involved um with free yeah so um so just so your listeners know if they haven't heard yet um Free is an amazing film. It's a film. It really is. is. Yeah. It's a film coming out November 2nd uh, this year. It's going to be one night only in theaters across the United States. We have almost 700 theaters booked for the U.S. through Fathom events. So if you guys know Fathom, you probably know them from like all the major anniversary releases of everything from like Jurassic Park to Indiana Jones. But also they... They do one-night special releases for indie films and features and films from outside of the United States. So Free came out of Madrid, Spain. And going back, circling back to my friend who I told you I met working in Rome, her name's Luthia. She is producer and CEO of Bosco Films. We have remained excellent friends throughout the years. Our, our paths have come nice. together and diverged and come together and diverged like all over the place. I mean. I could not ask for a better friend to be working with because we are the type of people who are on the same wavelength, right? Like, you know how you just have a flow, like you guys have your flow. Like I, that's what Luthia is with me. Like we've got like, you know, the way we talk, the way we communicate and mind you, like we speak Italian to each other. Mostly she does speak English too, but my Spanish is like horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I can, I can understand. Guarda. Io posso parlare in italiano, in italiano, uh, oh, tutto il giorno. I can speak in Italian all day. I can understand Spanish most of it, but I cannot like, I yeah. cannot get it to come from my brain out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because people say like, if you master a romance language, you can kind of get the rest. But other, <laughs> I don't know because I suck at languages. But then the other problem is, yeah, but their their similarity also becomes like a stumbling block when you're trying to like sort through the different words especially like italian spanish portuguese like you're it's so easy to to smash them all together and 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 yeah it becomes an obstacle yeah so anyway so um 
Luthi asked me to work on this this project with them for free, and so I'm working especially um, with the international partnerships. But I'm also doing some like um, what what we would call like a portavoce, like kind kind of like spokeswoman type stuff as well to some degree. Um, she's doing a lot of interviews right now. Uh, I want to tell you guys about the film first. I know you you've I think you've you've seen it yeah. already, right? Have you seen the yeah, special pre-screening? It is, it is so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So free is essentially a film that asks the question, why would a person ever enter, like give up their normal life to enter into a cloister or a monastery? Like what motivates a person to do something like that? Like, mm-hmm. why would you yeah, divest yeah. yourself and de- like deprive yourself of this in a world, like in the world we live in today? Right. Because I think that's kind of a, a question that's relevant for everybody. Mm-hmm. Even like I, myself, I'm not, obviously I'm not a religious, but I, I still wonder, like, I still want to understand. And that quest right. for understanding kind of leads us to this, this film project. So, um, Bosco films was granted access to enter into 12 monasteries across Spain. Uh, that's something that doesn't happen. Like, I don't know if you guys are aware, but like, yeah. uh, who was it? Um, I want to say, is his name Gronig? Gronig? I can never say it. It's like the same as, um, as the guy who does the Simpsons last name. Oh, uh, that would be Gronig. Gronig. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but not the same person, just their name mm-hmm. is I think, spelled <laughs> similarly or the same. Yeah. Um, he put out, so there was this amazing film that came out about, I want to say 10 years ago into great silence, which followed the Carthusian monks in the grand chartreuse monastery. And it was like a beautiful sweeping film that just, observed it was very much a peaceful Hmm. kind of meditative Hmm. observation film and it was it it won amazing acclaim what free does is free brings the audience into those monasteries not just to kind of watch and listen and and enter into that silence but actually we're listening to people who rarely speak they've been Mm -hmm. granted permission by their superiors to speak to us and share with us thoughts on life purpose meaning their vocation like there's so much depth and what really strikes me is that all of these people these monks especially like the way that they choose their words is so intentional like when mm -hmm. they're speaking on camera you're like Mm -hmm. wrapped you're like i need to get a notebook and start writing this stuff down I did. I did just that. Uh, ah, Gomer's got a notebook. <laughs> I, awesome. I was going through and just pulling out quotes that I thought were that I thought were so amazing. So one of the things about free that I loved. So it starts. There's a lot of like the B roll is just incredible. Like these slow moving shots, like through this beauty in in the in the areas where these monasteries are, whether it's by the water in these mountains in the in a forest, and it's just these slow moving shots that don't feel like. <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of movies where they try to do that and you're just like oh my gosh get to the point already but it's like beautiful the music is beautiful but the like it drops out and becomes part of the background behind the words of these people and the stories are great like there's people who have families you know and have what was there there was a priest and there was a nun uh the nuns oh man it broke my heart all of the stuff of like yeah. how she stays in contact with her family and whatnot but um these incredible stories there was a, a satanist who got into all this stuff and his mother never stopped praying for him and he finally mm. had this huge conversion experience but one of the things that that they do as they're talking 
number one, they're all that you can, you can see a smile behind all their words. Even the serious bearded dudes who look like they're a thousand years old. Yeah. They all, there is, there honestly is, and it's so cliche to say this, but there's like a joy behind the, the solitude. And then when they talk about it and all these different things, you know, some of them are, uh, they elevate the cloister more into, or not the cloister, the community more. Some of them, it's more of the solitude that they experience. Um, and it's just so cool to see and to hear these people just like share their story. The guy, the Satanist are breaking out. He's talking about how his mom prayed for him. But like this one guy, he was an American friar and he said, he was talking about his conversion to Christ. And he said, it's one of those things. Let me see where I wrote it down. Conversion is when you know you finally have an answer to a very important question. And then he kind of looks up and he goes, and then you let go of fear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, that's really awesome. And then the, another woman was talking about, you know, she was an intensely fervent Catholic, but wanted to have family and wanted to have career. And, you know, and they all, all I love hearing the older women or they joke about like, Oh, I put on the red lipstick and the red dress and the red <laughs> shoes, and I went out and did the things that young adults do. And, but the woman said that she was in prayer, and Jesus just said, I want you to give me everything. And then she just started crying. She's like, everything, Lord? And he's like, yes, I want you to give me everything. And it was such a, it was like a heartbreaking moment for her. But for me, it was so incredible to just hear, like, the Lord asked for everything, and you gave it to him. Like, you literally gave him everything. Mm-hmm. including your 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 deepest held desires and now you you have everything like hmm. the, the, but it he had to change it and then one of the vocation directors for the i don't know what you call it, novice master or whatever he was giving a little bit of advice of like why how people discern it and he said it starts off as a desire that soon over time becomes a need and i was like oh what a great way to describe like real discernment. Like there's something here that's like, Oh, this could be cool. I could like this. And if it never gets more than that, then you're like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, there's something heroic and beautiful as a Catholic about going to the monastery. Sure. But then when it becomes a need, right, that's where that, that next step is required. And to hear these people, the one lady was like, yeah, some man said, uh, Oh, this is your golden retirement years. Oh yeah. This is my golden retirement as I'm cleaning the toilet. This is my, she's like, I say that to myself whenever I'm carrying a, you know, a sister down the hallway who's elderly. This is my golden retirement, you know? Mm -hmm. I love all those kind of candid moments that you hear because you have an idea. I mean, even as Catholics, like Catholics have this idea of like what a monastery is and what a person who enters a monastery is like. And there's this very like structured kind of like church speak idea of what religious life is, right? Like you've heard it, like you've, you've encountered it where, you know, you either meet a priest or a sister sometimes. And there's a very specific kind of lexicon that they, they're working in. And yeah. sometimes that's just, you know, it, it's not even just religious. Like, I think that that is common among Catholics as well. I'm guilty of it. Like I've done that before. And, you know, yeah, we interviews all or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. And I love that it's so candid when somebody comes out and says, yes, here I am. I'm a monk and this is why I chose it. And for example, like there is a monk who, I don't want to give too much away, but like you, yeah. you get these people who have come from radically different backgrounds. I mean, even 
people that I've met who aren't in the film, like I have a couple friends in the Sisters of Life and like one of them used to work in like law, like, one of the, you know, there's people <laughs> who have careers and yeah. there's people who have worked outside of the church, like in, you know, society at large. So to hear like a person yeah. who's just, I mean, to encounter people as people, not as this mm-hmm. identity, um, it kind of, in a sense, I feel pulls back the veil on something that is really a mirror for ourselves. Because yeah. when I watch this film, when I hear these people speak in free, they are not just speaking about their own experiences. They're holding a mirror to me and being like, okay, now I have to examine myself and be like, well... I'm working a mile a minute right now and I need to hold that intention with the the fact that I am working on a film that is promoting silence, contemplation, and <laughs> like I, I tell you, this yeah. is a real mind bender. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. but I I I'm taking it on. You know what I mean? Like I try to remind yeah. myself every day this is what it's for. It's not just about like, oh, this is an awesome movie. Like it's going to have a wide release in the US. There's, there's all these talk points that I can go through, but like at the end of the day, like what does it mean for me? What am I doing this for? Right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a really, one thing that's, that struck me about it was it's a very, like, I mean, Gomer talked about this a bit, but it's very beautiful and its beauty is both like blunt and simple. That's that sounds a little bit. I'm I'm still, I'm still trying to like wrap like wrap my head around this. What I mean is, this is very well crafted, and this is very this this is very thought through and very intentional. And I typically dismiss these types of films because I I just like, of course I like I like monks, I like nuns, I like monasteries. I would just rather see Scorsese talk about it than you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, I'm not going to take my time. I, I just I don't even think about them anymore, which really probably is it, it isn't fair, but I really don't because it's just like they're just they're typically my experience is not good. And when I saw this, I was like, this is this is like real filmmaking. This is like filmmakers doing a thing like they're coming from like a place of faith to create this thing like. It, it, they're just trying to make a good film. Yeah. yeah. So Santos Blanco is the director on the film and amazing. I mean, he has, he runs, he runs an agency out of, out of Spain and he's done work for clients, like commercial work for clients. I mean, that's often Mm -hmm. how this works. Like Mm -hmm. when a new filmmaker kind of comes out with a massive project, you can look back into their past and they've done like amazing, beautifully shot ad spots for, you know, whoever, like whatever major car brand or yeah. You know, yeah. and that's very much, I would say, his um, his background. But this project is like, I think, very much a labor of love. Like he was intrigued by these by these monasteries. I mean, Spain, you know, is famous for the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, and mm-hmm. people hike across Spain all the time. I mean, this, the landscape of Spain is beautiful. So, in a way, one of the things that I tell people is like, even if you're not religious if you're one of the people who happens to stumble upon this podcast or you know you're kind of on the fence about things or whatever like come for the beauty of the ruggedness and the natural Mm -hmm. landscape of spain because you're going to take something away from it and then like if you're open to it like listen to what these people have to say in the midst of it 
Because I love yeah. that there's this juxtaposition of the rugged landscape of Spain. It's kind of like taking a, a pilgrimage. Like there, I think often people who have conversions through pilgrimages are the type of people who are like, they're open to that beauty. They're open for yeah. like that journey. And then it like hits them in a way. So it's kind of like, yeah. it's been described as like a mini pilgrimage to Spain in a film. And also kind of like a, a retreat in a way because you're getting like an hour, what is it, like an hour and a half of yeah. spiritual wisdom just distilled in a way that is so accessible and beautiful. Yeah, my my initial sense that was so cool. So I, I was just talking with my neighbor and he owns an Airbnb up near a national park. And he was like trying to get me to go rent it with my kids. And he's like, oh, seats up to 12. You could see, you know, you can have them put, have tents outside and all this stuff. And it was cool. So then we started talking about religion and stuff and he's grew up Baptist. And he said, but the guy that most changed my life for Christ was this guy who preaches only in the, only in the outdoors. And he only does that because he said, uh, how could I build a church that's more beautiful than Mother Nature and stuff like that? And, you know, I have all these Catholic things to say about that with my fancy pants things. But seeing this video, one of the reasons why you find monasteries in stark places, stark beauty, stark whatever, is like in, in dramatic places is because these are the, the mountaintops of the, of the patriarchs. These are the areas of encounter between God and man where the veil between humanity and nature is so unavoidable like if if you if i were to build a monastery in texas i wouldn't build it in houston right not because houston doesn't deserve it because there's nothing here that says you you are alone right everything here screams you're admits people now if i'm building a ministry i'm going here right but like being mm -hmm. in there's something about nature that 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 shuts down noise and that's a big part of the movie is a guy even said this uh you know this is the problem with families today there's so much noise and we all go on our little phones and we all sit around the dinner table with our phones if we're you know whatever and i, I mean i was just having these conversations with people before i watched the movie about you know the danger of of being more connected to someone away from you than the person that's right in front of you and then you watch this movie and the guy, one of the lines, he's like, yeah, I get to listen to the birds. I get to listen to the birds. And he's just sitting there and the camera, it's got to be on a drone or something. Yeah. It pulls away from him and he's just in his white robe, sitting on a stone wall, surrounded by nature. But right behind him is, you know, where they live and the chapel and right in front of him is this ever expanding mountain forest. And you do, you hear the birds all throughout. This is one of my favorite parts is like you hear birds, you know, almost throughout the whole thing. And th there was this line where they talked about monastic solitude is not the same thing as loneliness. And that's why people are afraid of, of their life is like, it's just, it seems so lonely. And he's like, you're never alone. You're never alone. Cause you realize like you're, you give up noise to find silence, but when you actually embrace silence, you can finally hear the things that you were missing the whole time. And I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. <laughs> because we are, we are, yeah. and I constantly try to like do better in this area, but we are surrounded, surrounded by noise. And I make so much noise. And it was just beautiful seeing, seeing how, what, what is life? Like these people weren't weird. You know, they all, they were, most of them were very normal 
in terms of background. The Satanists might not be normal, but like most of them were normal people with normal careers. An artist from like New York who then went to Paris and art gallery and all this stuff. And then after his divorce and his child has grown, he goes to Spain and has a conversion. I think I think he did the Camino, right? I, I can't remember if that was the, the the one who did. And by the way, they're yeah. all like they all remain nameless. That's part of their orders. Yeah. Um like so hmm. when we were when we were submitting all of our files to Fathom for our like our digital release, like you know, they, they have all these digital files that like go in with yeah. your to each theater across the US. And they're like, okay, so we need like the cast list. And uh Luthia, the the producer is like, um, yeah, like we don't have a cast list. <laughs> <laughs> like, funny story they yeah. want to guy with beard one guy yeah. with beard two yeah. guy with beard three <laughs> because it's part of their charism to like remain yeah. nameless in society yeah. in a way um like they have names and they know each other inside mm-hmm. you know the cloister but they don't want themselves like elevated in that way and i feel yeah. like that's such a great a great way to kind of i don't know approach things like i feel yeah. also like i think i was telling you guys the other day how you know, somebody asked me about like my website, like I was reaching out to somebody and they were like, you know, your website, like, uh, I don't see an about you page on there. Wait, what's your website? It's not coming up in Google. And I was like, yeah, that's intentional. That's an intentional choice. Like it's a, it's a, it's a point yeah. of reference for the people I speak with. Like it's not, I'm not, not out there like trying to solicit like random people from an algorithm that Google points towards me. Like I, yeah. I really, and I feel like there's this idea of being a little bit anonymous in some ways that can it helps you focus on your it's it yeah. seems very counterintuitive right but in yeah. a way like i like the idea of connecting with people through conversations rather mm-hmm. than just like a search engine you know yeah so. yeah well you talk about fame you know and the spreading of fame e- even in in normal ways like i want to be known so that i can get work and it's like okay but even structuring that, like, how do we do that? And one of the interesting things about it is, like, fame is an external good that usually comes about because of good work, right? Mm-hmm. You do some good work, you get notoriety, you know, whatever. But then fame, when it becomes an end in itself, it's it almost ceases It ceases to be a negative, right? Or it ceases to be a, a, a good. It doesn't help you. It's not a reward. It actually becomes, in a certain sense, a punishment. And the ultra-famous, right, are confined to you know, compounds instead of homes and neighborhoods, right? They they got to gate everything and have security because life has gotten out of control for so many of them because of their fame. Like I think of Paris Hilton and uh, she had this documentary that she did and there's a painting of her in her house and it has a switch and you turn the switch on and all these lights and the sound of constant clicking cameras just goes on and all, and it's like the chaos of her life is... I hear that sound every time I walk outside my house. That's awful. And even when she's at her house with people with telephoto lenses and all this stuff, trying to get her, you know, taken out the garbage or whatever, fame becomes this thing that that so dangerously corrupts, but we don't see it because it feels so good to be seen, right? That normal human ache to be seen and to be known. And then to have someone in such, you know, a sign of contradiction saying, no, I, I don't, even when you see me and hear me, I want to be seen and heard by him and I'm willing to go so far as I'm not even going to give you my name. I'm going to take a new name when I join this order and I'm going to leave behind that old name. You know, it it is, it is, uh, it is hauntingly powerful to a Catholic who's even remotely open to that. 
it's interesting. I was thinking about all of this too because um, my husband and I are going back and watching the Loki series, like the first season. Have you guys seen the new episode that just dropped? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, so, not the one that was re- not today last week, but last yeah, week, yeah, yeah, last week, yep, yeah. Yep. So at at time of recording, um, <laughs> no spoilers. Uh, yeah. Loki has restarted, right? Rebooted season two. So um, it's interesting. We're going back to watch that, and I was thinking a lot about like how at the beginning he has this, you know, he ends up at the time variance. What is it called? TVA. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, I have a glorious purpose. Like he keeps on telling, talking about how he has to like fulfill his glorious purpose. And yeah. I love how like they just kind of like knock him off that ladder, but it kind of like oscillates. It kind of goes from like, he has this false sense of identity. Then he ends up in this place where he's, it's basically kind of like nihilistic because they're like, nope. You were expendable. Like, there's nothing that you need to be, you know, like, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't exist. Like, all of these ideas about him, like, branching off of, like, a one sacred timeline. And then, yeah. um, but then, you know, towards the end of that first season, it kind of comes full circle again. It's like, no, it does matter that he exists, right? So he does have a greater purpose. And I love that. I love that it's kind of like sometimes you have to be knocked off your horse. Like, I mean, that's just human, right? Like, we all have to go through that to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Particularly like in Loki, not to spend too much time on this, but I'm going to. <laughs> I look so happy right now. Like it wouldn't be a catching foxes episode if we yeah. didn't talk about something Marvel, right? <laughs> well, like the end of that and and the, towards the end of, of of the season you have that episode where they're in that one area where like things t- tend to like can like converge all the junk from like the weird timelines and you get all these variant Loki's who have experienced They've all been through some, like, they're all kind of good, like, that group, kind of. So they've all have, have had some type of growth, some type of, like, you know, like, one. I'm, I'm thinking particularly of the older um Loki who, when he encounters, like, Thanos, he escapes and runs and he hides. And just spend his whole life alone. And just kind of that, like, idea of identity and, and like, how some of them, through pretty profound, like, Loss had had to like almost like recapture that like because that guy like he dies screaming glorious purpose while he encounters this beast to try to like almost save everyone else so he kind of has his redemption he he finds a um, purpose for himself that even even when like you're lost you, like you've done these you know horrible um, uh, things you could still God can still work life can still like you can still find hope you can still have a purpose I think I think that's really interesting I like that too and and bringing it back to like the film free. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening when you see the the one guy, the one monk who was a Satanist, right? Like he, yeah. he's literally going to like rock bottom and is like only through the, the prayers of his mom did that bring him out. And now his purpose is to be in the monastery. And I think that's a that's an interesting thing, too, because like we look around and we're like, well, what's the point? Like you're just in there praying all day. Like, is that you, mm-hmm. you just right. you just crave the routine like. You know, I think there's these ideas that kind of float in society of, you know, their judgments in a way. But yeah, um, I love what they say in the film about the monastery being like a forest that gives life yeah, green space. Yeah, yeah, like gives life back, like breathes air back. And I would say that is 100 percent. It's amazing. It's amazing. Hmm. They even said that. Because yeah. that is what Bosco Films is. Like, Bosco Films takes their name from Bosco, which means forest, right? It's not St. John Bosco, per se. It's, it's just the, the Bosco, the forest, in the middle of a city. 
creating beauty and giving life and restoring people like with yeah. fresh air, right? Like that's kind of the type of projects yeah. they want to pursue. And they don't want to pursue projects that aren't going to lift, you know, like change somebody, um, yeah. lift them up in some way or breathe life into them in some way. And hmm. that's exactly what I feel this movie does. Yeah, the that nun that says that she was an an elderly nun, and she said, uh, she was one that made the comment that every time I go to Madrid, it is nothing but noise. I hate going there. She said, but the mo- what is the monastery supposed to be? It is useless. This is one of the quotes I wrote down. She said, "We are useless." I say it again: we are useless. Like the green spaces in Madrid, right? So, like you know, like Central Park in New York, mm-hmm. we're useless. But without us, the city suffocates and dies. And to to understand mm-hmm. it, like that's how she views the role of the convent or the monastery or the cloister in the world is there are these green spaces where people pursue a life that is so utterly detached from the world um, and so given over to God that it it, it renders itself um, useless, unproductive, or whatever. But at the same time, life would cease without it, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there was a really fascinating thing. There's a Congress for the new urbanism, something like that. And, uh, me and Luke talked for a while about, you know, there's a book called the happy city and, and all these things of like how in- increasingly industrialized architecture is leading to a dehumanized city. Mm-hmm. And when they start to take these turns and rehumanize the city, use elements of, of wood and stone, instead of just sheets of glass and concrete, it actually creates like people in the community in front of those glass and stone places or um, uh, stone and wood places, they actually congregate near there. Like we just naturally do this. And um, there was this, this thing in the Congress for the new urbanism where they were talking about this beautiful plant community in Florida. And it's, it, I can't remember the name off the top of my head and it's super famous in this. Ave in Maria. This, um, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you like condos, golf courses, uh, swamps, <laughs> and a school? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they got a Publix um, and one gas station. Uh, the uh, no, there's this master plan community seaside, I think, and it is super like super well respected because everything's like walkable and bikeable, and everything is no more than ten minutes away, and it's all this like super connected thing. And this guy wrote, "What it's lacking is a monastery," mm. because then what it just becomes is a yuppie paradise. Right. Oh, I feel trendy. I feel hip. I feel cool. I can walk everywhere. I got all the benefits of suburbia and all the benefits of the city all right here. Cause it's very intentional about green space, workspace, living space. It's all local. Right. And he's like, yeah, but it's heartless. Like there's, there's no thing that, that, but puts the cult in culture. Right. There's no worship going on there. There's no, the, the center point doesn't exist. So it doesn't hold. And, uh, and they talked about, and there's there's no poverty. There's a town right next to it, and they deliberately did not connect the the main roads to the town that's more poor. Whereas that's in Ave Maria, Florida, yeah, in Ave Maria, Florida, you can go to Imokali, and Imokali it is a very impoverished thing. This is one of the reasons why I have a lot of respect for the Ave Maria Youth Conference. If you have got money and you're looking to donate, that's a good place to throw it. Um, there's a donor who takes the kids from Amokali and takes them to the youth conference and he pays for it because they're all the children of migrant farm workers who have mm-hmm. no money. That's amazing. Right? They have, yeah. Yeah. And he buys them all hats. <laughs> so you see all these kids Aww. walking around with the, the Ave Maria baseball cap kind of thing. That's so but, cool. Um, and, th- and those kids are amazing. Like I've gotten to know them because I used to, I did it like maybe six years in a row. And so I would see them as incoming ninth graders. So they're basically eighth graders. Right. And then seniors all the way up. 
And to see these kids and to know that like, this is their brightest spot in their year is this experience. And it's like, they get to come to the, the, the quasi parish of Ave Maria and see the beautiful buildings and, and be like, there's a whole thriving Catholic culture that is still connected to the life of a Mokali, even though it, I think that, you know, the, the golf course and the, and the, and the upscale development, like it can kind of impose Ave Maria university itself has not pushed them away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the development yeah. might feel like it. Yeah. And, um, that's what they said is missing from seaside is this, there's no sacred and there's no poverty. There's no, um, connection to the working poor. And, uh, and you see this, like when you look at the monastery and you're like, oh, this is what you mean by you do bring life into this there's a place where the tyranny of the workaday world no longer no longer holds sway and it's amazing that's so interesting that's awesome. well yeah i think that's why this film is so important is because this doesn't make sense to us like yeah. we're catholic right and everyone who listens to this show for the most part is going to be catholic um and if not join us <laughs> one <laughs> but, of us <laughs> yeah seriously like i'm kidding, I'm kidding. Film. <laughs> like but there's there's this like you can't really understand anything until you you have to encounter it. You have to be open to yeah. it. You like you know you encounter, have to what receive a great it. Word. And this doesn't make any sense to the world. This makes no sense. Why would you like all you have is your identity now, mm-hmm. and that to be shaped. However, I mean that's all we yeah. that's all most people have. That that's it. That's a one thing that you can kind of you that you can cling to. And like I think we're kidding ourselves is even that doesn't make us uncomfortable yeah even people like who believe this stuff yeah and the only way to really understand it is to go and because it's not like one thing that's i mean that's i think is really interesting about all the stuff and this stuff isn't easy like giving up your family it sounds very romantic but i've like no like it's really hard <laughs> i can't wait to do it to my <laughs> wife <and kid. laughs> but it's like you know it's super like i mean like i know a person whose mom joined a convent and she was like yeah it was really hard like it, yeah. it wasn't some great thing. Yeah. I was, you know, and I'm still kind of uncomfortable with it. And like, she's yeah. a, you know, diehard Uber Catholic. Like that's like, yep. And to, so it's, it's not easy. And it's, and if you're truly called to that, it's, you know, it's going to be worth it, but it doesn't mean it's going to, um, it'll be good, but not safe. Yeah. And that means good, people, but not easy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the only way to really understand why, like, I don't, I don't Here's, this is going to be a pitch and this is not a guilt trip for people to go and watch this film. But like one of the reasons why I'm going to go and I, I'm going to see it in the theater. One is to see the country Fox's slide, but two, um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that next. I genuinely yeah, like, like I want to know why, because I love yeah. the idea of it, but I want to be confronted with the, with the, with the reality of it. And to me, it's when you're confronted with the, with the reality of it, like, like Omar saying where, you know, where our techne productivity obsessed culture has no tyranny here. Like your weapons are, it's like in Loki, I'm yeah. going to go back to this, the infinity stones. They're just in these drawers on multiple. They are useless. They are pointless. And it's like jar. It's honestly it is kind of jarring. Yeah. They're like paperweights in the TVA. Yeah. They use them as paperweights. <laughs> like the most have, powerful they... object that exists essentially. in the Marvel cinematic universe is like rendered completely inert <laughs> yeah. in the tv yeah and i and i and to like that makes that should make us all very uncomfortable because like we grew up in a culture that pri- that prioritizes what you do 
and your identity is that's kind of all you got. Yeah. I so, feel like and, I, I feel like I did that for a long time and and I'm I don't know if this is for like the same for you guys, but like when I had my kids, when I started having like my started my family, like it was a paradigm shift for me. You know, like there's I think that's common for a lot of people when you do start your own family, it kind of affects you in a way where you're like, you know, you look at everything else and everything that you became so wound up in before. Um, and like, I was very good at selling myself. Like I was, I, I was so good to, to the point that like people, they still, even today, like I have family and friends who will call me and be like, can you look at my resume and like make me sound awesome? <laughs> I just did it yeah. for another relative recently. And um, like, that's a, that's a skill and a gift that comes from God is like that sensibility to know what to write or the sensibility to know how to pitch something or the sensibility to know how to communicate. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it is not an end in itself. And I have to say like having kids like separated me from my work identity and in such a good way. And I, for those who don't have kids, like, that's okay too. Like you don't have to have kids for that to happen. Right. Um, and I, if there's one thing I want people to take away, it's that like this film is not meant to be only for people who think they have a vocation. It's to instill the culture and the um, beauty and yeah. the goodness of monastic life that you can bring into your own life, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you have a family, whether you don't, whether you're whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's something that we forget. Like we forget that, we are not just um, meant to be utilitarian and we are not meant mm. to achieve the best. Like we do our best. We do. But at the end of the day, I love my husband says this all the time. <laughs> He's like, at the end of the day, Amanda, it's just TV or it's just, it's just media. Like yeah. it's good to remember that because we build it up so much. You know what I mean? <laughs> it means so much to me. Yeah. But I'm reading but it's a good. 400 page biography of the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> Biography, like the person history, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it's becoming one. It's becoming one. Yeah, no, I love, I love that perspective. See, the, so the free the movie gives us if you if you come into it, you know, ready to listen, ready to receive, it gives you perspective on your own life. Like for me, the first thing I thought of as I'm looking at this is, dang it, I haven't gone on a retreat in in three years now, right? And it's like I haven't just been quiet with the Lord because a lot of times when you go on retreats especially in kind of the the market today it's very noisy they're noisy retreats now i used to go to silent retreats led by the father ignatius my spiritual director out in denver yeah and um that's for and and i would never trade any of that stuff but the i've been asked several times to go up to clear creek monastery up in oklahoma which is a traditional benedictine thing that was based out of Faucambeau, France, and it's this ancient monastery system, right? And they built one in Clear Creek, Oklahoma. But they say, like, you go there and you you try to pray with them and all this stuff, or 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 not. You can set up your own retreat however you want, and they they kind of help you out with that. But the the person who I know that went there was just like, do you know what it's like to be alone and to be okay with being alone and to not have anything screaming at you? It's like no. I don't. Yeah. No, no, what, I don't. What if I'm the one who's talking the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's what I learned in my four day silent retreat was it was about the second day after doing, you know, you do five holy hours a day and I'm finishing the second day. So 10 holy hours. And it was like my second to last holy hour for the day. So it's like right after dinner. 
and or right before dinner and it was like that noise that i create in my head finally turned down mm. you know i i just imagine that like in my brain there's a, a bear with a fez hat and a unicycle and it's <laughs> like all the time and then it like that finally went away and it was like huh huh i can actually and then my holy hours became holy hour and a half and i would look at my watch and be like whoa okay i was supposed to leave 30 minutes ago and it was just a, it was a very graced moment but like it's it's like that that's waiting just on the other side of putting down our phone like it's really it's like it's yeah. a tangible thing that's what i kept coming away with like simplicity matters there's a quote from plato people people think that the end the goal of the end of life is to have a lot of i'm i'm butchering it but to have a lot of things he said no the goal is to learn to live fully but with less and when you see this movie mm-hmm. like my first thought was okay how do i live with less how do i live with less like that was my first thought well the whole time i'm like they're happy and they're living with nothing how can i still have something because i'm a husband and a, and a father how can i still have can all I my have apple less? products yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so mine it's funny because that's always what i go to that's literally i'm like and i look over here and i got my fancy laptop connected to my 1500 dollar ultra wide screen 4k hdr monitor and i think like okay what about this isn't simple and it's like no what what i have to do is kill the lust for the new for the the iphone 15 for the latest ipad for like that's the part for me that like i use these tools every day to work mm-hmm. but i need to learn to kill the lust within me for the new and the shiny and the neat yeah and that was directly a result and and my wife coincidentally made soup because we finally got cold weather here and we made a, a vegetable chicken vegetable soup chicken noodle soup that's what humans call it and it was funny it was like this very simple meal <laughs> that's what you're time. having a hard time with chicken noodle <laughs> yeah, soup <laughs> I, god help me god help me and uh no but the funny thing was like i'm thinking like you know she made it all from scratch and she made it, and it was beautiful and it was simple and it's a meal that we're gonna eat for the next like five meal <laughs> five days yeah because she made a ton of it and i just started thinking like okay so part of the thing there was a scene in the movie where the guy walks out and brings his brother's soup and I'm like, that's simple. Like, that's simple. Like, there's no one day, you know, put it all in this thing. It boils. You don't even have to be there while it's cooking. Yeah. You tend to it here and there. And now you got it in your fridge. And it's just like, and my head immediately went to that movie. And I was like, this is what, like, I, I'm going to end this call. I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to make a bowl of soup. And I don't have to worry about 500 things. I just got to heat up some soup. Mm-hmm. I don't got to worry about calorie counting. I don't got to worry about fats to micro. You're like, just make some soup. And it's simple. I don't know. It's so stupid, but it was like the little things. I feel like um, there's a like you know we talk about quote unquote like the cult of productivity, right? So oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's this idea that like I have to get all this thing, all of the things done, right? And yeah. then um, you get those little dopamine hits too when you're like, I had a good day. I did this thing. Like I, yeah. I spoke really awesome in this this talk or this meeting, and I, I, you know, as a result, like this thing came through, right? We have these ideas, but um, one of the things I'm trying really hard to do, especially after watching the movie Free, is to look – like, I set myself alarms in my phone so that, like, I actually can take my kids to school on time and I can pick them up and all of that. But then it's, like, when they're home, I need to be able to, like, stop and set an alarm for myself so I'm actually, like, engaging with them. And I know that sounds crazy, yeah. but, like – Sometimes when you're working in multiple time zones and you're online for work, 
you have yep. to, like, you have to carve out that time. So like yep. you're having quality time. So like, I feel like that's uh, the, the, the aim of those tools properly utilized can help in that way. But it's, mm-hmm. yep. you know, when you become so obsessed with it and it's all about like, how much can I get done in a day? Like I'm constantly having to check myself. Yeah. You know, optimize, optimize, do work all the time. And it's oh, like, oh man. And I, and I read no like all the, um, like the Seth Godin stuff, like on marketing mm-hmm. and Bernadette, G- yeah. Bernadette Jiwa. I, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but like yeah, all like it's, it it's super interesting to me, but it's not, um, they're anecdotes. Like they're easy to digest. Yeah. They're anecdotal. Right. But yeah. it, I don't, I don't like the idea of dictating my entire life towards work without, yeah. um, integrating like the primary focus of my life too. Um, and I, yeah. again, this is like, Cal Newport. This is his deep life. Yeah. Right. His deep life is what leads to a deep work, right? Like if you're going to do really good work, you can't just always be doing a hundred different things. You can't be working all the time and think that you're doing good work mm-hmm. that will burn you out. Oh, but yeah. if you have a deep life and you build your work into your deep life, that it's, that it's a part of your life. It's part of, of, of living for meaning and purpose. Then yeah. Like you're, you your work becomes a component of that and not the thing that prevents that and then for me like okay so what do i need to do well i need to take less pay i'm sure i was one of the highest paid parish employees in the history of the catholic church that wasn't corrupt uh (laughs) i was making a lot of money in an income in in an environment that is not like i don't live in san francisco they have to they probably on paper make more money than me but they live poor because Everything is so damn expensive there. But I just think of like, I walked away from all of that because I need to be home with my family. And there was this moment where I was sitting down with the finances and it's going to be tight and it's going to be brutal, but it's your money or your life. And my work needs to be integrated into my vision of life. But what what I keep finding is, and, and I'm, I, I keep Letting life, letting the the demands on me, especially the work demands, define what my life is supposed to be. And it defines my schedule and it defines my worth and it defines my identity and my value. And trying to push back is hard, but it leads to so much freedom. Yeah. So much freedom that I would gladly take a smaller paycheck to have what I have now. I'm terrified every time my dashboard light comes on, whereas in the past I wasn't, <laughs> my check engine light. But like just being able to work from home and being with my kids and helping out as a substitute teacher and doing these things, I find so much more meaning that I wouldn't have if I just, if I couldn't surrender the dollar, right? What do you guys think about um, with everything going on? Maybe this is another episode you guys want to boot this to another day. <laughs> I feel like this could just completely shift the the trajectory of this conversation. But I, I as you're telling me all this, I'm just thinking about like, humanity and what it means to be human and um you know in this age in which especially there's like an acceleration towards ai and you know it's already i mean it's already incorporated into so much yeah. you know but like I, i'm curious about that because i i think a lot about this movie when i was watching this film i was like wow like how what a what a sign of contradiction in the midst of a world in which you know, there's like humanoid robots to like babysit your kids and teach them like social emotional learning. <laughs> like, have you guys seen that thing? 
Yeah. You saw the ad yeah. for that? It was like a couple years ago yeah. that came out, but, but like, it's I, crazy. but yeah. that's just like the tip of the iceberg, you know, like there's so mm. much and please don't get me wrong. Like I'm not knocking the concept of like, like I use Siri just like everybody else. Please don't turn on my phone. Okay. Um, <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, like I, I use it like everybody else. I use Google and I use, you know, technology, but I think, um, you know, it's interesting, this conversation of like, there are people who seem to have found something intangibly valuable, like this treasure in monastic life mm-hmm. that cannot ever be translated and um, yeah. iterated in any way in a world that that works within the context of AI. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it serves no, no, per- no 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 i like a couple things about this so so one there are okay so we're not called like we're all called to different vocations than the monastic life yeah right yeah. so we're not called to go into and, and to do that the, so that just means that we're not called to like give up everything and go and um, live and work at a monastery there are things that we can take from from that yeah um I particularly love the idea of like a prayer routine, calls to prayer, different things like that, like, like doing the Angelus at um, noon, officer reading, different, you know, whatever. But like finding some type of like a rhythm to all of that that stuff. And I think with there's something like deeply I'm mean, human about a monastery that's kind of all like all you have, but they also have like rules, like pretty intense rules. Yeah, yeah. and that's what helps create that. Like you can't write home. You can't. Some people can't see people for like a year. So, you know, you can't like. Yeah. You got, um, you know, I, I knew on one person who was, you're not able to drink pop all week. And they had, you know, had a Diet Coke on a Sunday. And it was like, it was the best Diet Coke that, that I've ever had, <laughs> you know, because scarce, which is like, this is kind of yeah. interesting. Like a lot of this stuff is also like proven in things like economic, economic theory, which, which is like scarcity increases value yeah, and things of diminishing returns. But I, but I digress. <laughs> like. Having a rule, like, for me, I really want to have a rule that once Everly's a teenager, particularly, well, I mean, really, when she has her own phone, which won't be ever, but, like, no headphones in the kitchen or in the living room, which I really hate modeling right now, especially when it's yeah. when, I'm, when I'm on my own, because I want to listen to a podcast while I'm doing the dishes. I want to listen oh, yeah. to, you know, and it's like, I can't just ask to have this rule for when she's older that she can't have headphones on, you know, like, because I think she needs to be in tunes like where she is and, and yeah so anyway, but my point being i love finding these little like rules of life that can keep things like ai in check um yeah. because if not it will just overtake everything yeah i there's a catholic philosopher named dr cuddleback and he has a dr. website that i was dr cuddleback Cuddle, the life craft yeah. yeah i was just gonna say that yeah Cuddyback oh, so is that Cuddy a Cuddyback? Not, not Cuddleback. It's like, Cuddleback. Cuddleback. What a weird name. He, no, Cuddyback. I know of him because I I started a a course through the the Institute for Catholic Culture, which is amazing. If you get that, app, oh yeah, that's yeah. so cool. I yeah. like. I, there's all these like college level theology yeah, courses awesome. and philosophy courses. Oh my gosh, so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the Lifecraft website, I've never heard of it. And a buddy of mine, because I was talking in my that man is you planning meeting. We were going through and I was like, people don't understand. So we we watched a video called What is Love, which is also coming out on October 16th through Fathom Events <laughs> on that day. But the, so we're watching these episodes of it and they were talking about someone made a comment how this killer 
stalked outside and the killers the one giving the talk he waited for this dude who made him look like a fool in 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 he's in the like basically like the mafia uh, in london and he waited outside his kid's school the guy goes underground for months and he just sat in his car every day for months and Ooh. watched the front of the he knew of this kid's school and like three months later the dad the guy was walking his son to school and he gets out of the car and walks up and just beats him almost to death in front of his kid and he and the comment this guy said was how did he like he had so much hate in his heart that he didn't look at his phone (laughs) like he wasn't distracted by this and it was it started this funny conversation of us all sharing like how how captivated we are by our technology and then this guy so, so i was like sharing some stuff and this guy sent me the episode or the the last blog post on lifecraft was on creating digital counter liturgies and he just saw and it was a photo of like kids on an ipad and kids on a phone and it just said you know like the, here's an idea what liturgy is and this is what like digital liturgy looks like and he doesn't mean watching mass on your screen he means like these rituals that we do with our bodies around screens and he said we need to create counter liturgies, which I think what Luke said is a perfect example. When I am in my home, there might be a Bluetooth speaker on, but I'm not wearing headphones so that everyone can participate in what everyone is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And these rules of life, like the, one of the rules that, um, uh, what's his name? Chris Williams from the, uh, YouTube channel, modern wisdom. He said the rule for him is no screen time before sunshine. So the first thing he does when his alarm goes off is he goes outside. He doesn't look at his phone. And so it's like it creates these little rituals for like I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. I don't think about it. I just do it. Like I just drink my water with my electrolytes and I drink that and I look at the sun at, at you know 6 a.m. And then I go in and I pray and I meditate and I do my thing. And then I look at my phone. And if I don't do anything else for the day, I will have already won that that battle and it's like yeah like that's a counter liturgy luke like when you walk into this kitchen the bluetooth speaker might be on so everyone can listen to the music or the podcast but oh that podcast isn't appropriate because it's catching foxes for a child to hear (laughs) yeah so you're gonna listen so it it informs what goes on in your house yeah right it informs like it it becomes then a work of the people or a work for Mm -hmm. the people which is what the word liturgy means and so you begin to experience, like, it just changes the dynamism. I love that. Ah, oh, thoughts. I have thoughts now. I love the the concept of morning time because when the pandemic was going on, my kids were, like, preschool age. And oh. <laughs> I have kids that are very close in age. And so we kind of just did morning time where we would, like, pray and we would read and we do, like, a couple little things each day. And now, like, we still kind of do that. And I use that the Hollow app. Sorry, free ad for Hollow. I didn't mean to, but I'm not working for them or anything. <laughs> Hollow.com no. slash Laura Horn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> we use, like, like there's a Matt Marr playlist on there for, like, Eucharistic adoration. And it's amazing. Like, it's, yep. it's so beautiful. Like, I love it. It's all the Aquinas hymns basically like revamped and he's like made them very contemplative i even like played them for some of our kids um we had a a bunch of kids at vbs this year so i did vbs vacation bible school for my parish um and like that is such a good like oh my gosh i love it so yeah when when i'm part of my my morning routine yeah like i pull up patrick lane's chant of the mystics yes like having those um there's another thing too um pray the hours i think 
Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Is that what you were just talking yeah. about? Yeah, well, so within uh, Hollow is such a good app, and Matt Frad's read where he says this isn't just a good Catholic app; it's one of the best apps ever made. It re- honestly, yeah. it really is. And um, but I use it like a, a digital minimalist. That was a stupid phrase; I didn't mean to say that. But like, I, I barely use its functionality. I go on, I go to my favorites, I open up Patrick Link's Chant of the Mystics, and I push play, and I just listen. He has Gregorian chant, but he sets like ethereal music to it. Mm-hmm. And I just listen to that while I'm reading Luke and I'm writing down my my morning reflection. And then my wife is doing Father Mike Schmidt's um, catechism in a year. I'm not jealous. And then she turns that off. And then we have our second cup of coffee where we talk together. And that's usually after one of us goes for a 30-minute walk and the kids are coming down the stairs at the end of it. They usually file down in little bits. Usually my son Noah wakes up first. And so I send him. So he gets ready in the morning. And I'm like, all right, Noah, we bought that little devotional book for you. I want you to get that, and you go do your devotion. It takes him two minutes. And then I'll, you know, when I'm done with mine, I say, so what'd you learn? And it becomes this thing that the music and the singing and the chant puts me in the right frame of mind. I just found out that Katie McGrady and her husband do a morning reflection for kids that's 10 minutes long, so you can listen to it on your way to Mass about the readings. That's and so I'm cool. like, that's freaking brilliant. Like, we listen to Bishop Barron's homily because it's usually about 10 minutes. I might speed it up a little bit. So that from our home to our church, which is a 10-minute drive, we can finish it and have this in our heads and try to get the kids in that framework. But like, that's the thing is we don't realize being ready to pray is just as important as praying, right? Like yes. Sunday morning starts on Saturday night, and I don't want to hear that because I like my Saturday nights, but it really does in a lot of ways. Well, you can't listen mm-hmm. to Father Mike Schmitz on double speed. You know, but the Bible in a year and catechism, or they slow it down a little. Do they? Yeah. So I, my like, I, I did it like when it first came out. I got about halfway through the year, and then like some things happened in my own household and our and the structures <laughs> of our uh, our yeah. schedule that like it didn't yeah. like I couldn't continue like my routine early in the morning with it. But I I have picked it up recently in this year like to continue the the study where I left off, which is like. <sighs> in the middle of it basically i, I made it about halfway yeah. through so um yeah shannon speeds it up she never really? speeds up anything no i'm talking yeah. about his homilies like you were saying you listen yeah to his Shannon. homilies no you like, cannot speed i can't up. speed up you actually homilies. go forward in time you actually go forward in time like you break the space-time continuum and you go <laughs> why am i why am i over here when i haven't even moved yet <laughs> <laughs> he's good. physically you've moved six inches you're like he's good what he's the hell? so <laughs> fast i like I, it's good he knows how to like get everything in so yeah. You know, but you can't put them on someone, double speed. <laughs> no, someone from Ascension Press sent me a text. Hey, I don't want to inflate your already too large head, but Father Mike Schmidt's names drops you an episode, blah, 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 <gasps> of Catechism in a Year. And I was like, I can't wait till my wife finds it. Well, Father Mike Schmidt. <laughs> Maybe she'll is, think I'm legitimate. At this time, Father Mike Schmidt is in New York right now at a um, Napa Institute conference with one of the producers of Free, who's also speaking. His name is Borja oh, Benagon. Nice. Um, and he, um, helped, you know, bring this, he brought so much of this film together. So he also runs something called Altum, um, financial, uh, I'm sorry, Altum faithful investing. So mm-hmm. kind of allows you, it's, I mean, there, it's the sort of investment agency that would like allows you, they're out of Madrid. They allow you to kind of align your values with what you're investing in, which is pretty cool. All my money is tight in Vanguard, and they're part of the satanic block with BlackRock. Ah! 
<laughs> I gotta get out of there. Blood on your hands. Blood on your hands. Oh, oh man. man. Oh, yeah. So out, out, bad. damn spot. Am I right? <laughs> oh gosh, you are absolutely right. All right. Okay, so let's let's wrap up Elle's show. Oh, you have something to say. What are you going to no, say? No, I was going to say, I, I was just looking at our clock, and I was like, oh, my goodness, we've been talking for yeah, an hour I, I and a half. Yeah, I'm so hungry. So two Soup. things I will leave you guys with a few. Actually, I'll give yeah. you three parting thoughts. Um, the first one is that this week, um, Lucia, the producer of Free, was in Rome with the Bosco Films team, and she just met Pope Francis yesterday, one-on-one. Nice. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it was amazing. So she was able to go to the audience, but she was one of those rare people who got to go straight up to the Pope and have like words with him for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, she was received by him and that was amazing. And um, there's a great quote from him in not from, but uh, um, none is quoting him in the, it's near the end of the movie. And she said, referencing his letter to the religious who were in monasteries. And he said, you are not wait let me get it i wrote it down you are not a group of spinsters who live together and and the way that she talked about it i thought like gosh what a phenomenal because some people like that's a yeah that's a, that's a that misconception or like a judgment yeah. in a way you know yeah oh yeah oh absolutely. yeah i love that so luthia met with the holy father and she told him all about free as fast as she could in her few minutes <laughs> that she had and and he looked at her she was like he looked at me and he said like Adelante, because they're both speaking in Spanish, right? So it's like right. native language for each of them. And that yeah. essentially means like, go forth, go for it. You know, like to have nice. the Pope tell you that for your film. So, so I don't <laughs> know if that counts awful. as an endorsement. Uh, <laughs> can we put that on the website? I don't know, but uh, it's pretty amazing. So I'm sure Bosco is going to have that picture up of them meeting, you know, together this week. But that's the first thing. So if the Pope is like saying, go forward, go, go for it. Like, I think that's awesome. The second thing is that, I don't know if you're aware, but the Grand Chartreuse produces the Chartreuse liqueur, which tastes like grandpa's medicine in a way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or it's like, (laughs) and actually I really like it. It's kind of like a, like a, it reminds me of Austria, really. Mm -hmm. I don't know what what about it, but. Yeah, so I have a bottle. I found a bottle because there has been a shortage for the past like two years, and I got my husband a bottle for his birthday recently. Nice. Um, nice. But I am pleased to report that, uh, from what I hear, the Grand Chartreuse liqueur shortage is now coming to an end. There are more bottles oh, coming thank back God. into circulation. Thank God. So with thank that, God. Sound I the toxin. You. Ring the bells. <laughs> oh, nice. Day drinking at its finest. <laughs> yeah. I had to toast with something. I mean, this is a CF episode, so right. That's true. Yeah. And I almost made a frozen margarita before coming on here. <laughs> did you? At 11 a.m.? You know, <laughs> I work from home. Wait, it's actually 10 a.m. near you, right? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're judging me. Like, there's a lot of judgment. How can I judge? I'm holding a, a little. It's true. Shot of. But you need to do the shot. Sharp. You need to do it. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Sit. I have meetings after this. I'm talking with people. And now they're gonna be more fun. Yeah, <laughs> I've got like a like a social media like meeting after. <laughs> I'm like you. And I was just <laughs> I was just emailing a bishop right before <laughs> who's nice. like in Rome. Nice. Um, okay, I'll drink it and then I'll uh, you guys talk while I'm having my sip. Man, Luke, remember when we used to drink every single episode? I know. That was so much fun. My poor liver. It was so much fun. It's so exhausting. Could you imagine if we get like 400 of these? (laughs) 
cool. right, what's the last thing you want to you want to yeah. give to our good people? Yeah. So, I know that a lot of your folks listen to the show and they're also involved with youth ministry or you know, different apostolates in their parish yeah. or whatever. Their stuff. Yeah. Not everybody is, but um I want everybody to know that if you have a group of like 25 people, you can get discounted tickets. So it's wonderful. Um, so discounted tickets are available. Um, really what you want to do is go to the Fathom Events website, which I believe is fathomevents.com, and you can just search for the movie free. I'm not going to give you the full URL because that's too much to remember, but you guys can look in the show notes and find it. It'll be there. Yeah, yeah. but if you go, you can look up your theater. Again, free is going to be in theaters across the U.S. November 2nd, one night only. And... If you have a group that you want to bring, there's a button there that you can click on for discounted group tickets. Mm. Um, and I highly recommend that you do it as soon as possible because we are starting to get groups filling up. And a lot of these theaters, we don't, you know, we like want everybody to come see. So um, yeah. we don't want them to just be filled by groups, but a lot of groups have already registered. So get in on that yeah. if you want to. And if not, if you just want to go with like your friends or your family, I'd say because the film's in Spanish with English subtitles, it's awesome in that way because I actually like listening to films in their original language, mm-hmm. but I like being able yeah. to follow along with it too sometimes. I mean, I watch YouTube videos that way, so um, yeah. <laughs> whether they're in English or yeah. Spanish or whatever. Yeah. So I would say it's for like high school or middle school and up if your kid can watch like and follow along. I mean, what would you guys say? It's not rated because it's a European film. They didn't go through that. The process here. I think so. Yeah, I would say. Like, I mean, there's I no take, objectionable content. You're just yeah, trying to like, read while the show. While yeah, it's ten and up. Yeah, it's like yeah. if if they can read and follow along subtitles, yeah. then I would say it's a great film to take your family to. Mm. And I have people in my life who are not Catholic that I feel like would love this film too, just because it offers yeah. a different perspective. The last film I saw yeah. like this was, nope, Terrence Malick who did. The film on Franz Jägerstatter. Yeah, I, I'm it. It one of my biggest regrets is that I did not go see it when it was playing Me here. Too. I, I don't know why I didn't go. I feel like it was maybe. Co- I, I'm so mad at myself because his stuff you have to see in the theater. It's so it good. Does not translate. I yeah. love it. I, I, love I mean, it does, but like it's just not. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I, I watched that like with other people who are not Catholic, and they're just like, "This I, is amazing." I've heard it's incredible. I've yeah. It's absolutely incredible. It's fantastic. Oh, I'm so annoyed with myself. Yeah, you know, my my little promotional statement that I said for it, the thing that I love about it is it's not like if you're not Catholic or you know, whatever, just random person looking for a movie, the all the things that they say in a certain sense is geared for them. This isn't necessarily like a movie for Catholic insiders and that's it. The the way that they the that they speak is you can tell there's there's more there there right and but it's definitely it's not in christianese are you talking all, about free or are you talking about i'm talking about free yeah yeah i have not seen the terrence malick movie gomer, I don't gomer d- doesn't even know who terrence malick is i do too <gasps> who is he well he came out with a wonderful movie about wendell berry um, I can see that Gomer's actually surfing the the web. Right mm-hmm. now. I'm on IMDb <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, I was like, <laughs> Gomer's got Google uh. open, <laughs> or maybe it's DuckDuckGo. I don't know. Whatever, whatever you prefer. It was Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but the the movie free, like the everything. I think you you're totally secular person. Uh, I don't know, maybe because the monasteries and Catholicism 
kind of a big deal and no one knows about it, you know, in today's culture. So even just watching this is like, you know, why would someone join a monastery? You would sit there and you would come away with like a profound understanding why people choose this life and how this life is not dehumanizing, right? Mm-hmm. That's I think the one the one of the funny things that popped in my head was French revolutionary, a uh, French rev in nineteenth century Europe class in Austria, of like him talking about the first thing Enlightenment countries did was they shut down contemplative orders because they are quote unquote unproductive. And they did it in Austria, which is why we were at the world's oldest and or world's largest Carthusian monastery. That's now a hotel and campus because uh, Joseph II shut it down. And it's like, yeah, you know, this is exactly what what they did, and this is what we're missing part of our our culture and our heritage. So, yeah, you guys awesome. should link yeah, in the show notes too to your past episode you did in like a couple years back on a Canticle for Leibowitz, because I feel like that's a good re- like I just read that book and. I, it's phenomenal. I love that book. I, I feel like there's so much in there. And if you're interested mm-hmm. in like monastic life or contemplative life, it's not like yeah. what you would expect. It's not like, yeah, it's you know, it's fiction, parts, but, but it's, yeah. it's funny because like Oppenheimer just came out and we're like talking about all these things and you guys are talking about these things in your show too. So I feel like it could be a good cross-reference for mm-hmm. people who want to read something that's like a little bit yeah. apocalyptic sci-fi that has to do with monastic orders. But more yeah, than anything, exactly. I'm like, go see free. Get your tickets, fathomevents.com. Bring a group if you can. And if you guys want resources, you can, you know, you guys can reach out to me directly. I'll I'll have you guys put, if you guys don't mind, I'll give you the the link to the resource website. It's cool. freethemovie.org. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Yep, we'll put it in there. Thank you so much, Amanda, um, Amanda for coming yeah, on the show. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you guys. great. And we'll see. Awesome. And we'll see you in the theater too, because um, yeah, catching boxes. Oh, yeah, because we, <laughs> that's oh, that's they right. Are, yeah, you, you, the <laughs> one thing we forgot. The one time we promote ourselves, we I just even... uh, please go. I want everyone to go so we can do this again with like on the Fathom events, and I want to spend the money on a video advertisement before the next one. Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to. So spend we have a, a static lot image. of money. Yeah. yeah. So for those who follow in the Discord, Nat helped design. A static image of catching foxes. So if you go there, you need to take the selfie. You need to show up twenty minutes early so you can watch yeah. the little the little what is their name? Maria Minuta. What is Maria it? Maria Minutas. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. gonna tell you all about coming features, you know. She's there yes. in the movie theater and then our, the movie starts. Our, so during trailers <laughs> yeah. and you know, early like we call it like pre show. There's yes, thirty pre-show. minutes of pre show before a, a movie starts rolling. And that's what this and is. And we're a part of it. Yeah. Take a selfie I just love it so much. I love it so much. I'm like, please go. That's what's oh, going to bring people to the movie theater. <laughs> They're going to be like, <laughs> I got to get my selfie. But go yeah. on and move. Catching Foxes made you do it. Post it online. <laughs> or just boo. I think it'd be funny if people started booing. <laughs> booing, during, booing during the Catching Boxes logo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not during the movie. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. Not during the movie. Yeah. Some monk comes on there. Boo. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's nameless. Don't worry. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. This Ministry fun. of Agency, Bosco Films. The movie is called Free and it's out November 2nd. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys.